What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And now, tonight's presentation of radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Fine feathers make fine birds. But, on the contrary, all is not gold that glitters. Also, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. To the wisdom of these eternal verities, add another. Crime does not pay. Mix well with a great singer turned dramatic actress, and you have our suspense story, The Well-Dressed Corpse, starring Miss Margaret Whiting, which begins in exactly one minute. Let's take just about a minute to talk about three little words which mean a great deal to people all over the world. Monarchy, oligarchy, and republic. The first of these, monarchy, means rule by a single person, such as a king or queen. The second, oligarchy, refers to a form of government in which the power is in the hands of a few, such as Russia's Kremlin. But to us here in the United States, the most important of the three little words is the third, republic. A republic is a state in which the balance of power rests with the people as a whole and is exercised by representatives elected by the people and responsible to them. A republic is a free, popular government in which there are no classes having any exclusive political privileges and in which the voters are guided by constitutional authority. The importance of a republic is recognized by the Constitution, which in Article 4 says that the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and domestic violence. That's how your American Constitution works. And now... The Well-Dressed Corpse, starring Miss Margaret Whiting. A tale well calculated to keep you in... Lying on the couch in my office, I thought I'd just let her alone until you showed up, Captain. I was considerate of you, Lieutenant. Uh, here, in here. You sure that's her? I'm positive. Where was she picked up in her bedroom? Uh, Hell's Kitchen, an alley. Somebody stole her dress, and one of the boys gave her his overcoat. Yeah. What's your name? My name is Ruth Franklin. How old are you? Thirty-three. Where you live? On Park Avenue. Go to school in this city? Graduate school, Columbia University. I work for the Carrington Green Advertising Agency. My secretary's name is Petey Wright. I'm the murderer you're looking for. Yeah. Okay. I guess you're Ruth Franklin, all right. 
I can hardly blame you for not recognizing me. Did you know that six weeks ago I was voted one of the ten best-dressed women in America? I read something about it. I always knew that someday I would be. But when it actually happened, it was just as exciting as if it had been a total surprise. The invitation to the luncheon to meet the press came on Monday. I ran right out and bought the most elegant and expensive dress I could find. When I swept into the luncheon, everyone was looking at me, including the other nine well-dressed women. Percy Hamilton of Radcliffe Press, a little bald-headed man who moved and looked like a startled chipmunk, met me as I came in. Oh, Miss Franklin, I'm so happy to see you. Right this way, please. <laughs> You're a little late, you know. Percy, baby, you've confused me, perhaps, with a debutante. I work for a living. I'm going to put you here at table 13 with Mr. Mason. Uh, Miss Franklin, may I present Mr. Mason? How do you do? How do you do? You two are going to be luncheon partners. <laughs> you, of course, couldn't be anyone else but the best-dressed Franklin. I'm not sure I like the way you said that, Mr. Mason. Well, my tone was not meant to imply a personal indictment, Miss Franklin. In fact, it's a commendation. You play your part very well in this best-dressed racket. Racket? Racket. Oh, I always draw the most charming luncheon partners. There's undoubtedly something in your childhood... They must have made you wear Buster Brown collars or velveteen knickers. <laughs> I wore dungarees. No, it's just that I have the best prima facie evidence anyone ever had that this best-dressed business is a travesty on good taste and artistic judgment. Before I move to another table, Mr. Mason, I might find it interesting to hear one sentence telling me why you feel this way. I'd be happy to oblige. You see, I was picked as one of the best-dressed men. Mr. Mason, I believe I'm beginning to value your opinion. <laughs> began. A little careless banter while we sized each other up. And something in our measurements had meaning because despite speeches and cold chicken a la king and news photographers interfering with most of our conversation, we later found ourselves at the store club discussing everything from Picasso to paperback novels. Sometime in the evening he said he had to catch a plane somewhere but he'd get in touch with me soon. The next morning when I walked into my office, Petey, my secretary, was wearing the smug smile of a girl who caught her older sister with a boy on the back porch hammock. Seen it yet, Bob? The gimbal ads? How were they? I can wait. All right. Seen what? Picture of you and Roy Mason. Mason? I hardly spoke a word to the man. Hardly a word, huh? You know, that's the store club ashtray in that picture. How did you convert? Smoke signals with your cigarette? Petey, you're very close to being fired. Hmm. Let me read you what Winchell says. <clears throat> the most handsome twosome in town last night were Ruth Franklin, the best-dressed huckster, and Roy Mason. Petey, what uh, do you know about him? I'll save you the embarrassment of asking me to get a file on him. I've already done it. Here you are, boss. The life and loves of Roy Mason, assembled by Petey Wright, girl Boswell. All right, tell it. He's a foreign correspondent, distinguished. He's written two books on world politics, The Long Road of Destruction and The Coming Asiatic Crisis. I've ordered both of them so you can talk his language. He's a Yale graduate, skull and bones, 38, unmarried. Just call me quick. Thank you and goodbye. I'll just leave these things here so you can drool over them. Have fun. Petey, 
Yes, boss, ma'am? We've had your fun. Now, hands off. I'm going to marry him. I read those clippings through from beginning to end, and when I went home that night, I took both of Roy Mason's books with me. And the following night, he called me. And then it was practically every evening, and cocktails, and weekends, and intimate little dinners, fireplaces, and books, and talk, talk, talk into the dawn. I knew, and I let the papers know, that Ruth Franklin had finally found a man who came up to her requirements. I had him hooked. Now it was time to reel him in. Waiter, two more of the same, please. Roy. Hmm? I have some news I know you'll be interested in. <laughs> you are going to run for president. No, no, nothing as small as that. I'm going to get married. So you're going to get... What? Married. Oh? To whom? A man named Roy Mason. I see. Does he know anything about it? Well, I've kept it a secret from him until I was sure. Now my mind's made up. Just like that, huh? Uh-huh. Pleased? Well, let's say flattered and very, very sorry. Why? To have to decline the invitation. You see, Ruth, I'm already engaged. Why didn't you tell me? You didn't ask me. Who is it? Her name is uh, Elizabeth Granger, a socialite from Long Island. You may know her. No, and I have no desire to. Ruth, what made you think we were going to be married? I guess I believe my own press notices. Every columnist in town has been ringing wedding bells for it. I never pay attention to columnists. Well, I do, and so do a lot of other people. And what a Roman holiday they're going to make out of this. Oh, boy, I can just see it. What best-dressed woman was left waiting at the church by what best-dressed man? Well, I'll phone them tomorrow and tell them to lay off. And make a bigger fool out of me? What do you think I am, a doorman, an old shoe that you Ruth, can just... Ruth, please lower your voice. People are looking. Oh, let them look. A scene in a cocktail lounge makes good reading, Ruth. and oh, we always make the papers, don't we, lover? Keep your voice down. Why don't you go to Inner Mongolia or somewhere and write another book? Anywhere where I'll never have to see you again. The second act of... government has to do the housekeeping. See that the plumbing doesn't leak, that electricity and oil and coal aren't wasted, that the garden is kept in good shape, that the animals are fed, that the people have a place to enjoy themselves outdoors. Don't they? They certainly do. Well, all this is the work of the Department of the Interior, which at one time was called the Home Department. The biggest job of the department is conservation, the protection of the things that make our country a good place to live. The land, water, oil, coal, forest, minerals, fish, and wildlife. These are our natural resources. If it weren't for the conservation work of the Interior Department, it wouldn't be long before all the farm and grazing lands would be washed or blown away, and all the wildlife would disappear from the forests and the fields. Another important job of the Department is the development of new natural resources and the caring for the national parks where people can go camping or sightseeing. And the Secretary of the Interior has a special job in wartime, making sure that the armed forces and defense industries get enough oil and other fuels. Good thing we've got some good housekeepers working for the Secretary of the Interior, isn't it? It sure is. And now... We continue with Act Two of 
The Well-Dressed Corpse, starring Miss Margaret Whiting. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Oh, leave it to me. I did a grand job. I made my exit like the second lead in a straw hat playhouse. The next day I didn't go to the office and I didn't read the papers. I knew what would be in them. I felt sick and soiled and used. The phone rang all day long, but I didn't answer it until late in the afternoon. Hello? Me. Oh. Trying to get you all day. What for? To tell you that we're friends, you and I. I hate like the devil to think that you really meant it when you said you never wanted to see me again. I sent you a letter last night, but I'd rather tell you what I wrote in person. Now look, Roy. No, let me go on, let me go on. A man rarely meets a woman like you. I was lucky. You're going to marry this... Ruth, I want to talk with you calmly, decently, honestly. I want you for a friend. I'm mixing a couple of drinks in my apartment around five tonight. I hope you'll be there to share them with me. What a colossal ego this man had. Yet he was offering me the opportunity to settle the matter my way. I took it. you came. Thanks, Ruth. Let me take your coat. No, it's a little chilly. I think I'll keep it on. All right. Drink? A very dry martini and a little soft music. The record's on the turntable and the martini's already mixed. I knew you wouldn't pass up a Mason special. You were rather certain your pretty speech on the phone would work, weren't you? I meant it. I'm glad you're here, Ruth. All of that highly lacquered veneer you show your public is all right for them. But for me, I'll take you the way I know you. Tell me more. Underneath $40,000 a year and behind that best-dressed wardrobe, you're quite a gal. Quite an ornament to wear on your sleeve. Oh. Until you're tired of it. Oh, you don't understand. Don't Ruth, touch I... me. Ruth. Yes, it's a gun, Roy. For heaven's sake, Ruth. Oh. Ruth, stop this. You've got it all wrong. Put down that gun. Oh. Ruth. Ruth, get a doctor. We'll say it was an accident. Stay away from me. Phone a doctor. Oh, no, no. It wasn't supposed to be this way at all. Ruth. Ruth, I wrote you. I stood there looking down at him. He tried to talk again, but he couldn't say a word. And then all of a sudden he was dead. what I was going to do after I killed him. So I just sat down and finished my martini and looked at him lying there on the floor. And, and then I was aware of someone pounding. Are you all right in there? What's happened? Hello, hello. A answer me, somebody. Oh, oh hello, miss. I, I live in the apartment next door, and I thought I heard gunshots in here. You did? Over there. Well, I better phone the police. Where's the phone? On the desk. Hello, uh, operator. Give me the police. Yes, I said the police. By the way, this thing is shooting. 
I just walked out. No one tried to stop me. I, I got a taxi to my own apartment, changed, threw some things into a bag, gathered up my jewelry and what money I had. I registered under another name at a small hotel on the west side. I knew I had to get out of the country, but before I left, there was someone I had to see. Elizabeth Granger, the woman he preferred to me. Act three of Suspense follows in one minute. How would you like to be a successful farmer? Naturally, all of us would like to be successful in anything, particularly in our chosen field. But say you are a successful farmer, and you have one or two successful neighbors. However, there are other neighboring farmers who, for one reason or another, are not successful. Farmer Adams was hit by a flash flood coming out of the hills. And Brown and Fisher, though they're hard workers, just don't have the knowledge to make a farm pay off. What would you and your successful neighbors do? Would you sit back and allow the other farms to go under, no matter what hardship it might cause to the families? Would you say, let them fail, we'll buy them out when they're broke? Perhaps one of your neighbors might say that, but would you? Or would you go over and help Adams rebuild his farm? Would you go over to Brown and Fisher and say, look, neighbor, you're not planting the right thing here. It's not right for your soil. Let me show you what you can plant. Of course, unless you were greedy, that's what you would do. Throughout the world, that is what the Food and Agriculture Organization is doing. It is an agency of the United Nations, which is man's best hope for the world's welfare, peace, and justice. And now, we continue with Act Three of The Well-Dressed Corpse, starring Miss Margaret Whiting. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. The next night, there was a rosary for Roy at the Edgeflower Mortuary. I waited across the street. I wanted to see her walk in. I wanted to see how well she could take it. But Elizabeth Granger didn't appear at his rosary. The next morning, wearing dark glasses and a veil, I went to his funeral, but she didn't. Petey. Don't you know the police are looking all over town for you? Petey, who is Elizabeth Granger? Where does she live? Oh, that. She isn't in the phone book. She wasn't at his funeral. There are no pictures of her in the papers. You know these things. Tell me, please. I can't help you. Nobody can help you now. You're a walking dead woman. Petey, listen to me. I don't want to listen to you. I'm afraid to. I don't want to end up like you someday. Well-fed, well-dressed successful, but dead. I, I came here for your help, not your opinions. Everything you ever said in your life was a lie. I did your legwork, looked up things for you, verified them, checked them. And just to satisfy my curiosity, I checked about you, too. You didn't go to any graduate school at Columbia. You were born and brought up in Hell's Kitchen, and you went as far as PS 432. You hated everything you had and were, and you tried to wipe it out. Tell me what you know about Elizabeth Granger. I'll tell you this much. You're not going to have the pleasure of watching her suffer along with you. And I'll tell you how I know. Because Roy Mason wrote you a letter. I read it. Because I, I never thought I'd see you again. Would you like to know what's in it? Yes. Makes you look 
ten times as foolish as you do now. He said that there was no such person as Elizabeth Granger. You're lying. He just invented her. Just invented her to get away from you. You're lying. There has to be an Elizabeth Granger. Here's the letter. Look for yourself. It's true. Every word of it. There was no Elizabeth Granger. Roy just didn't want me, and he had to find some excuse. I walked to the door wondering what to do, where to go. One more thing, boss. Ten seconds after you're out of that door, I'm going to call the police. I ran out of the office, out of the building down Madison Avenue. I wanted to lose myself, but where? How? I walked and I walked and I walked and I tried to understand. I tried to understand why I killed Roy. And everything that came into my mind revolted me. Oh, I needed a drink, a dozen drinks, a hundred drinks. You sure you're in the right place, lady? Just give me a double bourbon, scotch, triple, I don't care. Well, okay, you're old enough. Hurry it up. Here's my money. Get a load of the doll. What would any dangerous like that come in here for? Slowman. What are you, stupid or something? They like to come over to Hell's Kitchen where men are men, looking for thrills. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think she came in here for? Thought it was 21 or something? Ah, talk, talk, talk. Yeah. I'll show you how to handle a doll like that. <laughs> Buy you a drink, ma'am? No, get away from me. Ah, no, nah, you don't really mean that. Uh, Tony, the drink's on me. Why don't we have it in the booth over there? We can talk, huh? Get away from me. Who do you think you are? All right, that ain't no sale. Who does she think she is? She got no right in here unless she wants to be sociable. She's a bum and you know it, Tony. Eddie, can't you see this is a lady and I go for a walk? Lady? <laughs> Since when we got ladies in here? You filthy. Hey, hey, wait a minute. This little bum. Hey, Eddie, you know who she is? Uh-huh. Yeah, her picture was in the paper this morning. She killed somebody. It'd only be a matter of seconds until they called the police, so I ran. I saw a police car crossing the avenue, so I ran the other way. Two blocks away, there was another police car at the intersection. I ducked into an alley and tripped and fell headlong into the dirty, foul snow. I don't know how long I was out, but when I came to, somebody was pulling my meat coat off. Come on, dearie. Come on. Cooperate. What are you doing? You don't need this coat where you're going. Leave my coat alone. That's all right, dearie. All right, come on. Have a dress. A dress. dress. Ruby, help me get it off her. You can't take my dress off me. I can use a fancy dress like that, and you can't wear it. Oh, don't. Please. All right, stay where you are. Grab it, shoes, Ruby. Let's go. My dress. They took my dress and my coat. Stay where you are, lady. You let them do it. Why did you let them do it? We'll get them. Come on, now, lady. Lift up your head. I want to take a look at you. Oh, don't hurt me, please. Uh-huh. I'm somebody. <laughs> That's what I thought. Ruth Franklin. I'm somebody. I'm somebody. I'm one of the ten best-dressed women in the world.
been brought to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.